Hello and welcome to Comedy Juice Podcast. I'm Brian Costello. And I'm Jim DeSanto. And today we're going to be looking at the 1996 Tom Cruise spy thriller Mission Impossible. But before that, we ask the most important pressing question of every episode. What are we drinking this episode? Jim, what do you have? So I'm, I'm a little boring tonight. I'm actually just having some tea in my oh. Star Wars comic book mug that uh, the girls got me for, I think it was Father's Day. Okay. Well, it certainly like wasn't that. for Christmas. No, no, this was this was a much better gift than the Christmas gifts. Yeah, um, I, I have to, I have to say I'm sorry. I wasn't able to mail your gift. Uh, I bought it. Here it is for you. Uh, uh, I got you a uh, a pink toothbrush. Well, at least I could turn that into like a shiv or something. Yeah, I still so have these sitting could, on the desk, so you, you know how useful yeah. those are. I will say I did get you an Oral B toothbrush with an indicator on it, so I didn't oh. cheap out. It's going to so tell I'll you when know. you need to. You'll know when you need to get, and hopefully by then it could be your uh, birthday gift from Katie. Yeah, I'm officially old, Brian. I have to get a crown. You have to get a crown? Yeah. I've had a crown. Oh, okay, good. I have one. So, but that's because I I had a tooth crack. It wasn't because I was old or anything. No, that's why my tooth cracked. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It happens. I bit on a, a, a bone. It was a delicious rack of lamb. It was. I just got a little. Got, got a little. Way, got I got aggressive. a little. Got a little too into it. Got yeah. a little too aggressive, and that's what happened. Uh, so I am drinking uh, Brawler oh, from yeah. Yards. Delicious. I have to thank my brother Kevin who, who sent me uh, kind of his own make your own variety of uh, case of Yards beer, which I can't get up here. And he also sent me this awesome Yards Ale of Revolution. Uh, glass oh, that's a cool glass uh, yeah it's I, it's a really cool glass uh for christmas so i thank him because i love so, yards all right go ahead i have to tell you the reason i'm having tea yeah. is because i've i've had this like really annoying uh cold uh-huh. um which i can only blame on that disgusting fur coat that sat next to me oh my for an hour God. because i woke up the next morning after that just feeling awful you probably caught like some kind of disease yeah. from that animal. There is so whatever probably that animal a mold was. that has not been discovered yes. yet. I yeah. could smell that thing via Skype. The the like zombie apocalypse could have just could have started. If I That is like the thing that Rick Grimes would put over himself to pretend to be a walker yeah. and none of the other walkers would realize that he was alive because of the smell coming off. And of I'm it. pretty sure my wife was wearing it non-ironically. No, I I was a little disturbed by that yeah. coat. Yeah. So, now the luge outfit, completely down with. Yeah. The only thing I would have said about that is maybe a Com Majors logo. Yeah, would have been better. Would have, would have made a little better. Uh, a little recap: uh, New Year's Eve is coming on. We did the show last week, right before New Year's Eve. Uh, how was your family friendly New Year's party? Well, I actually didn't go because I was feeling so terrible. So Katie uh, took the girls and went to Long Island without me. Um, so what did you do? Did you have a relaxing New Year's then? Uh, not, I guess so. I, I tried to sleep. I was, I, I've been, you know, because of this cold, just having a horrible time sleeping. So no, that's awful. Uh, I actually achieved my goal. We mm-hmm. talked about would this happen. We watched Mission Impossible, Alien and I, together on New Year's Eve. Oh, that's it was cute. Spent and ate Chinese food, delicious Chinese food. What Nothing did you go with? What did you go with? Uh, I went with what I would usually go with, uh, which is uh, appetizer of crab rangoon. Okay. I love crab rangoon. Uh, General sow chicken, mm-hmm. pork fried rice, uh, and Eileen uh, got some scallion pancakes, so I had a little one of those. It was delectable. I had some Yards beer. Uh 
that hard to top awesome. with original Mission Impossible. Uh, it's it's hard to uh, top that. Yeah, so uh, I, I got to ask go you: Was it the best food in town? Uh, it, it it was good. The Chinese food is good. I'm kind of spoiled in the sense that I measure everything against when I lived in New York City for a summer work when I mm-hmm. worked at Axis Hollywood, and there's this amazing Chinese place called Me Noodle Shop, yeah. which has since been knocked down and turned into a high rise or something. But it was, but it, the Chinese food here is 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 pretty yeah, good. Yeah. It's not as good as New York City Chinese food, but pretty good. Uh, a couple of things from uh, last week's show. Um, we talked about how one of the things I can't wait for in 2019 is the Hootie and the Blowfish uh, Bare Naked Ladies concert, which is in August uh, right by me. Uh, I do not go to concerts frequently. Mm-hmm. Or, or purchase concert tickets. Uh, I went to the Abbott Brothers with Aileen over the summer because she loves them and they were now fantastic, by the way. Awesome. They were great and they were opening for Government Mule. It was a great show. I didn't buy the tickets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't gone and purchased tickets to concert in a long time. So I had no conceptual idea of how much tickets cost. Not as excited about the Hootie and the Blowfish concert now. Well, um, let me guess. I, let me how guess. much does a ticket cost for something like where, this? Where are they playing? They're playing at the Xfinity Center, which, which is, is comparable to Camden down yeah, by okay. you guys, you know, in size. They have uh, lawn seats well, and that knowing, type of Knowing stuff. what that that place is like, um, who was the other band? Oh, Bare Naked Ladies. Bare, bare, bare Naked yeah, Ladies. So, like, with that, uh, I mean, on, what I would pay is like twenty seven fifty. Okay. Which what, I know it's not. You might and, have to pay. So I think it probably costs. Uh, $50 ticket. Oh, no. Way more? Way more. Really? Lawn seats. Lawn seats. General uh-huh. mission lawn seats. 138 a ticket. Oh, no. Hell no. Jesus Christ. Is that... Am I crazy? I mean, like, that's... I wouldn't pay that to see Jesus Christ. I mean, that that is that... I don't... Again, I don't I paid... go to concerts. Is that a little wild, though? No, I Isn't still that... think that Katie's cousin was was pulling a fast one on me, but she told me... That our tickets to see Bruce Springsteen on Broadway because of when she got them were a hundred dollars a piece. Okay, so th- so I'm not crazy when I saw that and was like a hundred and thirty eight dollars a ticket. No, for there, general that, admission, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, you could that's like you know that that is Springsteen, um, U two level. Okay, like, thank you. You're not getting that show. <laughs> no, I thought I was crazy. I figured this was going to be like 40 a ticket or something. Yeah, when you two basically transforms every stadium they go into yeah. into like a spaceship. So I am going to wait for a Groupon. Mm. I'm yeah. hoping that there's a Groupon. There ticket will be so that I can get because I, I got to be honest, as, as excited as I was, I'm not paying 138 bucks <laughs> to see that. Hell no. That, that is not, I wouldn't have paid 138 bucks to see him when they were uh, in 1994 when they released the album, let alone that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we had some people chime in. Uh, one of the things about starting a new podcast, sometimes you post questions and you get tons of responses. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you post it and get no responses, That's right. uh, which happens, which is fine. Uh, but we, I wanted to see if people had some more insight on our question last week, which is which film character would you like to spend time on, which is a question my mom asked uh, of us. Uh, have you thought about it? Anybody else that jumped to your mind at all? Or are you just about that? You kind of OK with what you thought last time? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm OK with that. It's a safe, safe oh. choice. I'm not going to die with those with those folks. 
Perfect. Uh, my mom added that she would have liked to hang out with the the sisters from Little Women. I, I don't know that film or anything. Nope, the me either. But I sound like a good answer. Small, my cousin though, Meg probably... Jacobs said Lane Meyer from Better Off Dead, which blew my mind. I don't know if you saw my comment, but yes, I think she. I think that movie needs a rewatch in that household because Lane tries to kill himself at least. I don't know, three times during that movie. Yeah, I um, think it's because he didn't have a good friend. He was maybe, surrounded like, by... I don't want to be the friend having to stop him from, like, killing himself. I just, you know... Yeah, that movie's I, a lot darker than I think people remember it. Oh, I do love that movie. One of the all-time great lines in a film of all time. Somebody threw a perfectly good white boy away. I like, uh... I'm sorry about... Sorry your mom blew up. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Ricky. <laughs> yeah. Or... or this mountain is pure. He, Charles Damar thought yeah. the whole mountain was cocaine, and You're he was sniffing cutie. it. What's your name, Charles Damar? <laughs> Charles. Oh, uh, I do. We do need to watch a movie of that type. Yeah, yeah. Um, at some point, um, I thought of a couple. I would like to hang out with Mr. Fozzie Bear. I think uh, he would be a, a, a fun guy to uh, hang out one. with. A lot of couple, you know, some good jokes. Also, uh, Captain Ron, Kurt Russell's Captain Ron uh, character from the film Captain Ron. He he was a very laid back Mm -hmm. guy, the Caribbean cruise, uh, just two of the names. Uh, And then finally, uh, some sad news. A lot of um, early deaths in 2009. Celebrity deaths. Uh, The amazing mean Gene Okerlund uh, Mm -hmm. from wrestling fame, where we used to watch a lot in college, passed away. Uh, Captain from the group Captain and Tennille, Love Will Keep Us Together, mm-hmm. um, very sad. And Super Dave Osborne, uh, who I remember as Super Dave Osborne from his um, Showtime show, but he was also on uh, uh, with Larry David right. on his show and numerous other things. So yeah. uh, unfortunately, a lot of uh, people passing away here early in 2019. But that is Fact Check. And now we will go into our rundown and discuss uh, a film I am completely biased about. Uh, one of my favorite all-time movies. Uh, I don't even think I'll say up front it's one of – I don't think it's the best of the series, but it's my favorite. Uh, Tom Cruise's Mission Impossible. Yeah. Um, which I watch about once a year. So I have now seen probably 20-some-odd times. It had been a while since you had yeah. uh, seen it. Uh, so why don't we talk a little bit about the premise and some of your early thoughts of uh, yeah, the first so Mission Impossible. The, the premise of the movie is that, uh, uh, you know, picking – basically it's a, it's a re – or it's a – it's a movie version of the television show, uh, Mission Impossible, where you have uh, a group of secret agents, spies, uh, who typically have an impossible job to accomplish, um, you know, very espionage-oriented. Um, and in this movie, um, the first job goes very wrong, and uh, our main character, Ethan Hunt, played by Tom Cruise, is uh, basically framed as the uh as a mole and disavowed from the what is it mi6 organization uh, no, imf IMF. impossible mission force <laughs> mi6 is uh mi6 is uh, a whole other whole, that, yes yeah. yes that is and there's also an mi5 as well right, right. but um yeah so they uh and, and it had been a while since I seen that. I can't remember when the last time I saw this movie was. I Probably liking with me it at a lot. some point. <laughs> yeah, I remember liking it a lot. I saw it in the theater. Um, I saw it, 
you know, a few times since then, um, but it had probably been 10 plus years since I've seen it. Um, yeah, and I didn't like it as much as I thought I would. Um, and there are some like there are some problems that were just like glaring to me, but um, you know, other there are other parts that I absolutely love. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely it's interesting because there's I can't, besides James Bond, yeah. you know, there's very few franchises. I guess you could say the Star Wars ones now, where you have actual the characters um, from so long ago, right. over twenty years. Um, so there is the franchise itself. I think has changed a lot. Yeah, I, I think, think a lot of cool. people would be surprised if if the first one you saw was like Mission Impossible Fallout, like the one that came in. I think right. they would be surprised that it's kind of a smaller film in some respects. I was amazed at how dated it looked in some respects. But um, some of that was per, you mean just like the well, yeah, it was, I was gonna was talk very about purposeful. That. Right. Yeah. So the let's talk a little bit about pre production of yeah, this go ahead. film. Teach so, me about this movie. I know you've done massive amounts of research on it. Yes. So. Well, some of it I've just known through the years. It's actually the fewest amount of notes I have on a page because as Aileen pointed out, she's like, You don't even have to take notes on this movie, do you? Head. I said, No, I don't. Uh <laughs> Paramount Pictures own the rights to this. This mm-hmm. was a TV show. I'm wearing my Mission Impossible TV show t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, that was huge back in the, I think, late 60s, 70s. Went away for a while. Mm-hmm. They actually brought it back in the 80s during the writer's strike and just mm-hmm. remade the episodes from the other series and did it. Um, but they had this. And they were kind of on Tom Cruise to do something. And Tom Cruise had been doing a lot of Paramount movies and he decided he finally wanted to produce a film and he loved Mission Impossible. So he said, let's do Mission Impossible. You know, they basically told him this was when Tom Cruise is coming off Color of Money, uh, Top Gun. You right. know, he's he's had this crazy run of uh, you know films. He's Tom Cruise by this point. So right, right. he could do whatever Tom Cruise wants. So he and Paula Wagner pick Mission Impossible. This is um, after A Few Good Men, too, right? Yep. After yeah. A Few Good Men. He's done. So he's he's kind of established yeah, he, himself he's well beyond. Star. Yeah. The, I mean, he's, he's a, a decade. Yeah. yeah. He's a decade plus now of being in films. So he actually started out working on the plot with Sidney Pollack, um, who he had worked on with The Firm, which is a great adaptation of a book nobody's ever seen it before a really good movie um but that i think begins to signal what his vision for the series was at the beginning uh pollock is probably best known uh for a lot of film goers for um three days of the condor uh which is a 70 film with robert redford and i think that's another espionage thing right yeah tip you off to kind of where, where he was going and then they as per they do in Hollywood they brought in a bunch of different screenwriters to bounce around ideas David Kopp who is one of your favorites wrote Jurassic Park Steve Zalian who wrote Schindler's List and Gangs oh, yeah. of New York uh, and Robert Town who did Marathon Man again with the paranoia in Chinatown awesome. so but the, the thing that's weird about this is then people are shocked that Brian De Palma's picked because if you know anything about Brian De Palma he's kind of all over the place, um, you know. Yeah, people I don't know, know many of his movies. What, um, you know, you would know Scarface. Yeah. Um, I never saw Scarface though. To be honest with you, Scarface. He also did Untouchables, which is f- fantastic, uh, with Kevin Costner. And then he did some it's a okay. lot of just. Well, I really like Untouchables. If you really? watched it recently, I rewatched no. it. it. Was it's pretty good. It, it arguably his best two financially successful films uh, are Untouchables, which was a TV show right. <laughs> from and the sixties <laughs> as well, and this. Um, and people thought, well, why would you pick Brian De Palma? Why not 
go, you know, there's lots of action directors from that time period in the 90s. They could, I mean, they went with John Woo with the second one. Could have so, been John McTiernan, right? Yeah, could have. Oh, John McTiernan's great. Yeah. He's awesome. Uh, but I think it ties into the fact that Cruz with this film was trying to not do what the Mission Impossible films are now. Right. And there's a very different feel to it. Cruz is a loves, absolutely loves Alfred Hitchcock. Yep. And De Palma, for better or worse, is really connected in his filmmaking to Hitchcock. So I think it makes a lot of sense that he picks this guy who makes these kind of paranoid Hitchcockian films. Originally, Sidney Pollack was working with them. Uh, Robert Towns picked to write it. De Palma brings in his DP, an editor that he always works with. Um, and I think what this film will talk about it is De Palma was able to – this is the – Hollywood before everything has to be these connected universes that we have right. now. So they really it's it is a standalone movie. Oh, sure. Yeah. If they had just made this and that was it. You could have just said it was a Mission Impossible movie. There's yeah. really not world building or no. anything like that going on in this film. And he crafted <coughs> that. Um, yeah, because so they don't even, um, you know, right out of the gate, you're not even sure who these people work for. They're not. It, it, there's no like origin story, certainly. Right. And th there's no uh, basically it seems like they work for the CIA. Do they even ever say that they don't? They're they're an offshoot of the but, CIA. But, but no, they don't just ever know say that. that. They don't tell yeah. you that. Well, yeah, I don't. Th I, I, I kind of like that in a sense. I feel like if they had tried to yeah, do this film, this, this would have been an origin film. How did Ethan Hunt, Tom Cruise get brought yes. into the IMF? And, so, and then we would have had to spend all that time of him learning and being trained. And they don't do any of that. And I actually love that. Love it. Yeah. And let, let's talk about that. So, like, um, one of my problems, well, th th it, my biggest problem with this movie is John Voight. I think that Your role problem is, with this movie is that you have a problem with this. Movie. No, John Voight is terribly miscast in this. That role needs to go to someone 20 years younger than him. But you see, actually, he was younger than the actual Phelps. And that's a real problem. But it didn't I know. It doesn't I, I do matter for the film. It makes no sense because here, here's my biggest problem. I love the first half. I love this. I, I like this movie a lot. The first half I really like where they're not all about the gadgets and stuff like that. I mean, they do the stuff with the spray and the and the and yeah, the, but the it's not over the top. But, but yeah. it's way more like espionage and like you were saying, paranoia kind of like what's happening. Um the part th and th that first half up until Ethan's sort of like um until they're until they're infiltrating Langley, mm. I love the feel of that. I love all of it. But there's this weird thing going on with John Voight and his wife, who is like 40 years younger than him. That makes no sense. It's see, distracting. And then on top of that, they do this really heavy handed thing where she is coming on to Tom Cruise, which it. It doesn't feel right. And even as an audience member, I'm like, and I hadn't watched it. So I honestly didn't remember how it played out. So like, I'm like, this is, this is bad. And like, well, my no, but problem, the problem with that is that in the end, you know, you find out that she is working with John Voight yeah. the whole time. But Ethan, again, this is not an origin story. Ethan Hunt is Ethan Hunt in this movie. It's not like Casino Royale where... Bond is making all these mistakes because he's yeah. not the Bond we know yet. So, like, he, if I'm feeling that, he's 
got to be like, what the well, f is the, going on? Well, that no, was the only thing I didn't that didn't add but, up for me in this movie. But the the thing that was cut from it that you don't know was the original opening was they were having an affair. There was a love triangle going on. Okay, the whole that time. That also and, makes makes much more sense when John Voight shoots her in the end. Well, yeah, that was another but, part. That but didn't that but that was part sense. of the thing. And instead, what they wanted to do is they felt that it took it too much out of the genre. Yeah. And actually, if you see the original trailer, there's a sex scene that they cut out of it. Okay. As well, uh, and I think, but. But again, that's not played out there. I think yeah. maybe it's just supposed to be they tried to cover that up, I think, by the, having the whole scene where Tom Cruise in, in his mind is trying to convince himself that yeah. the wife. No, she wouldn't do that because she's with me. And I also think that falls into the trope of the 80s and 90s that and they never really did great job with female characters. They were always no. a, li a little too. Do you know what I mean they were? They were always a little too one dimensional, and it kind of like, oh, people just buy this. Yeah. And next week we'll see that when we talk about Roadhouse, because the, <laughs> the depiction of women in that film is is not much better. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't so much her depiction because I could, you know, I just don't, I, the part of me just hates John Voight. Um, I'm not a John Voight fan, honestly, but I think I think the problem age wise is they needed to the, the whole idea, the premise of Jim Phelps. And you know, if you've never seen this, we'll give it a Jim Phelps, who was the star of the TV show, mm -hmm. turns out to be the bad guy. But, right, but no one knows to, that. Well, people at the time did. There was a freaking riot over this movie <laughs> when it came out. Not that we would have known because people our age never would have watched really the TV show anyway. Okay. But hardcore people. I remember when this movie was starting to come out, uh, I was saying before the show we did this, I saw like uh, I was at the mall and they picked me to see a couple of the different trailers for it. So, again, <laughs> unlike, you know, this is was breaking news back then because you couldn't, you know, I feel like I was Katie. Uh, back then, you know, yeah, you didn't yeah. know what movies were coming out or anything, uh, but except the Internet didn't actually exist. So there's no way I could have known what was coming out, unlike now. Um, so I saw the trailer and, you know, people were really excited about it. I was excited about it. And then I remember I was I, in high school. I played tennis. and My coach was a huge fan of the show. So this came out at the end of our junior year of high school. And we mm -hmm. were talking about the season and everything ended before the movie came out. So we had both talked about wanting to see it. And we came back the next year and he's like, I hated that movie. And I said, really? Why? He's like, because I love Jim Phelps. So people who had watched um, people who had watched the show were really upset that Jim Phelps was the bad guy. Mm -hmm. But originally, I think in one of the scripts, they were supposed to bring the old TV cast back. So it was going to actually be Jim Phelps. Gotcha. So he would have been that age, but they also needed him to be old enough to be angry about not having power, the cold war coming to an end and all that type of stuff. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't cast a female lead slightly older, I guess because they were trying right. to play the dynamic of, Right. Cruise, which is fine. It, it, to me, it's just like John Voight is not Sean Connery, right? Like no. he's not an old guy that younger women are like, oh, that's that's an old, that's an older, distinguished man that is pretty hot. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> so like, I just, I think also though, Voight was pretty from his acting perspective was seen as a name. I don't think he was the first choice. Yeah. Um, by the so, way, so question from Jerry. Uh, better John Voight in this movie or Varsity Blues? Varsity Blues. 100%. Kilmer in Varsity Blues, great character, yeah. perfectly cast as a, as a 
jerk off in that movie yes yeah uh but uh, i i still like the the voight character i thought he was okay um there uh, but this film starts off great i mean first of all it has the opening title sequence the lalo Schaffrin song yep um that it's you know so iconic now and people know it uh he actually wrote that in three minutes <laughs> But the whole and he had no idea what the show was about. So this was written for the show back in the day, and he wrote it in three minutes. Didn't know what it was about. And Danny Elfman, who scores this film, which I, I, it's my bet, I think it's my favorite. Was always my favorite version of it for a film until Lauren Balfe's uh, Fallout one, which is okay. really awesome. But Danny Elfman actually had to write the score. I think in like three weeks, they fired the guy. You can actually find the original Mission Impossible score. Um, online it was like there was some guitar in it it was not like a de palma like yeah, de palma yeah. i guess listened to is like this isn't gonna work yeah. um it was more like the score from the second movie okay. the kind of Hans zimmer um score uh, but elfman did a did a really good job in it so the film itself opens like jim said we're in prague which is awesome yeah this is one of the first movies that got to shoot there because the cold war kind of was just coming to an end mm-hmm. um and there's like some awesome stuff. I think part of the reason I like this one so much is I I think it feels like the most maybe the most movie movie of it, not like an action movie. Like yeah, the yeah. way that shots are set up, the fact they're in Prague and how they light it. And you is there's there's a definitely old world feel yep. to the movie. Right away when they're in that room and they're and John Voight's breaking down the mission. You can tell immediately there's an atmosphere, right? The, the the like you're saying, the lighting of that room is interesting. Um, you know, they're introducing this team, uh, which uh, to me, I always love that part of of these types of movies where you're learning kind of the specialties of of each one, each person. It was it was uh, th- that beginning scene was great, and, and he, they had the balls to kind of kill basically half the all. cast right yeah. there. And and some real sleight of hand too, like Emilio Estevez. We say yeah. Emilio Estevez now. Emilio, that was like the height of Emilio. Yeah, I mean, like, he was he was, he was not still a known big. Actor, yeah. No, no, he was. You know, he was a name. They put mm-hmm. him in that trailer to people would know who that was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like that. There's a lot of trademark De Palma, like um, how he shoots it. A lot of like kind of wall-eyed angles, and you know, some of the stuff I complained about with Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Where it was kind of the Dutch angle shots, yep, but yep. he does like this, some cool split focus stuff, um, and I think it's a really, um, I think ultimately a really interesting choice by yeah. Tom Cruise to go with him. One hundred percent. And then after that, they kind of turn this whole movie to me has a totally different feel in the second half. Just as good, just bringing it more into the modern day. It, this is closer to the other Mission Impossible yes. movies. It tone. has a. It, I think it actually has an interesting progression. Uh, this is really weird. Like usually, films are written by multiple people, especially big blockbusters. Mm-hmm. They had two writers in different places. Like Tom Cruise wanted Robert Town to write it, and De Palma wanted David Cobb. So both of them were retained, writing different scenes at different times, which is kind of a trademark of what Mission Impossible movies will become. Sure. Like there's not even like working scripts like Fallout didn't have a finalized script. <laughs> um, so so we get these things. But I thought it was interesting, like you're saying, the film flows in different ways. But there's it's almost like a pretty seamless transition. You start yeah. out as kind of that 70s paranoid shot. And there's some really cool stuff in Prague. 
that they shoot on the the, the way when the when uh, the elevator sequence I I, I love. Uh, how about the embassy? It's basically a museum in real life. It's all staircase, mm-hmm. which was was very cool. And then I love how they start to kill the whole team except for him. Right. And yeah, how they just great. keep ratcheting up the paranoia on Cruz, like more and more and right. more very and more. Very cloak and dagger, um, dark alleys and and people getting stabbed and you know all the all this stuff going on. There's very little. I mean, there's a little bit of the computer hacking with Emilio Estevez on the elevators, but it's it's very low. It seems very low tech compared to the rest of the movie, um, which I think is appropriate. Um, I, yeah, I also love how, and this is kind of very De Palma, the Hitchcockian elements of him, is how he uses the camera to like, he, he frames shots. And if you go back and once you know the movie, mm-hmm. like you start to see things that were there all the time. Yeah. But but he's putting stuff there that you should recognize, but he he – he he's able to focus your attention on something else, right. which I think's so interesting. How he frames some of those shots, right? And to are you're talking about the the other I the other yeah, IMF that was a team. great. There's a couple of sequences yeah. that I don't think you would find, and it's this is clearly because De Palma did the film. Um, when Cruz and Kittredge, who's the yes. CI or the head of the IMF, who would have been the, the appropriate age for. He could have been, oh, yes. Phelps type and might have been a better choice. Yeah. He was good in this movie. He was very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He um but when they're in that like cool restaurant. Yes. Um which is like and, the restaurant from Sing. Yeah. And he's like squids. Let's, yes. Squids going around. I wonder if that influenced that movie. Because it, it's almost the same. It looks exactly scene. the same. Yep. Yeah. Um but he's like, let's go around the room. And it's like so claustrophobic, the paranoia of like mm-hmm. how he's zooming in tight and changing the angles of the shots and yeah. all that stuff. And he's like – and then you go back and you see this stuff that you should have picked up the first time. 100%. I think that's a brilliant sequence. Yeah. But it was also a, a practical stunt that could have been very dangerous I guess because that's oh, Tom Cruise. The they crash all that water down and they shot it in a way. I remember that being one of the big visuals too from the um, – trailer yeah like when you were seeing the tv stuff and i was like oh my gosh is he you try to figure out what the movies are going to be is going to be underwater like you know what where is it and turns out to be a restaurant yeah Uh, but that scene i I thought was really well done it's one of my favorite sequences i think in the the opening half hour which is a really really pretty cool um movie so cruz decides that he's going to he's been screwed over by this guy named job and we don't know who job is Mm -hmm. um so he goes and meets with max uh who's an arms dealer played by vanessa redgrave which was a really interesting choice was not meant to be a female character uh and for anybody who's seen mission impossible fallout that comes back oh Uh, good yeah so uh in a in an interesting twisty way um and he decides he has to steal the knock list, which is a undercover file. You know, it's it's like a MacGuffin in any of these right. movies. It's almost irrelevant what it is. And it sets up, like you said, the really interesting mid-sequence part of the film, which I have my little Ethan Hunt mm-hmm. official uh, – IMF action figure from the original 96 film dangling here. Uh, One of the more iconic images of 90s filmmaking, which is Tom Cruise uh, hanging from a wire in a stark white room in this CIA raid. Yes, it's awesome. This is my favorite part of the movie, I think. 
I think this is this and this is, is like also where that transition really starts happening. Not only did they kill off the cast, they also bring in two actors who had had big parts in big movies. Well, sort of like cult movies, right? So they bring in Ving Rhames from Pulp Fiction. Yes. And they and bring in uh, what's his name? Jean Jean Renault. Jean Renault from The Professional, um, which was a big movie. Uh, what like a couple years before this too? Right I around, think. yeah, right around yeah. the and and he was a huge foreign action star even right. prior to that. So right. well, and known. so like like definitely moving the I, again like uh, to me it was like definitely a clear change in tone here, uh, mm-hmm. and they're getting they're going to get way more um, technical. Like Ving Rhames is is a hacker on a different level. Luther, what's his last name? Luther, Luther Stickle. Luther Stickle. <laughs> yeah, doesn't sound like the Luther Stickle I know. <laughs> yeah. um, the Net Ranger. Yeah, the Net Ranger. <laughs> Back when he was asking for like six eighty sixes, which would be like, I I don't even know if that type of computer ever actually existed. Yeah. I'll have to do some research, but that would be like I guess. Like one generation better than a 486, which I actually had at the time. So it was like weird to, to pretend well, and, like it was and like and a what I think, Yeah. And what the other piece I think is really interesting about this is, you know, De Palma has this it kind of established this legacy because really I think until – Fallout, which came out this summer, which was the sixth movie, the the mid movie set piece has always probably been the best part of these films. Right. And it starts with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second one I watch because I love the series. Yeah. Pass. Abrams does a mid piece that's good. Ghost Protocol, the mid action piece is him climbing that crazy building In Dubai, into yeah. the sandstorm. Rogue Nation, it's the the crazy underwater thing. I oh, mean, yeah, each yeah, one, yeah, the, hard always, drive. the ending has always been the problem kind mm-hmm. of. So De Palma established that this heist, you know, and all the films have some kind of heist and he, he set that up and I thought he did a great job, but he also really subverts the standard action format because yeah. there's no, sh- Tom Cruise does not fire a gun in this movie. If no, you can and believe in fact, that. Uh, the, I forget his character's name goes to stab one of the guards and he stops him. So I I don't think anyone... um, Krieger, yeah. yeah, Krieger Krieger goes to stab the guard. Until um, Claire is shot. You know, at the end, there's barely any... There's no guns in the movie, Mm -hmm. which we could talk a whole about that, you know, the second film, they must have decided nobody fired a gun, so now everybody's going to shoot two guns in their hands and go John Woo. There's going to be a bunch of doves in the air with Uzis in their beaks. By the way, I should add, though, I did we dump a little bit on the second one. I did rewatch it this summer, and it was slightly better than I remembered it. It was just a classic late 90s movie of that time period. But he subverts all this, and to go into that room in that whole sequence, if you've never seen it, this is like one of those things where you could just watch this as a self-contained mm-hmm. little 10-minute episode, and it would be a really interesting short story or, or short film. This guy's got to steal this thing from this room. They do a great job of setting it up, how they're going to get in there. I don't know if it's that easy to get into the CIA. Maybe it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tom Cruise is going to be lowered down into this stark white room. And uh, all I could think about is there's only two movies uh, in 96 that made more money than this. Uh, one was Independence Day mm. and one was Twister. Oh, geez. 
I know. Believe me. Oof. But both of those were built on like this massive destruction and these right. via. And here you have the set piece of the third richest movie of that year. And you're right. Arguably the best part of it is silence. It's, yeah, a, it's there's no quiet. dialogue except for Luther. And there's a lot of there's a lot of tension. I mean, uh, when so he's hanging by this rope that is being held by Krieger in an air duct, you know, 25, 30 feet above him. And there's a rat coming down the air duct. And I like this is the first time like back then I didn't care. I was just like, oh, that makes complete sense. Then in my head, I'm like, why is there a rat and an air duct in the (laughs) in like, yeah, yeah, like what is he doing up there? Go to the kitchen. Um, But that put that aside, that claustrophobia of being in an air duct where a rat is like coming down to hang out. (laughs) And he does that split screen where it's his face. And that's what De Palma is so good at. It is. There's such a sense of claustrophobia throughout it. And it's a great (laughs) sequence. The drop of water falling off. I mean, there's just so much about that scene. The guy coming back and forth, Mm -hmm. the little interplay here of an action sequence. It's supposed to be a big budget action movie and it is more about suspense. Yeah. And I love how he uh, before they even get to that scene, when when Tom Cruise is telling uh, Krieger and Luther what the plan is going to be and where they have to break into, they show, you know, they cut away and there's voiceover work that Tom Cruise is doing over scenes of seeing how all these countermeasures uh, basically would set off an alarm. Yeah, which is classic. Really cool. Yeah, classic TV show. And a lot of the great segments, Rogue Nation, they do it, you know, in all the movies, they talk about it. I just think he's, De Palma's a master at that. Um, And I think it's interesting because I think, in some ways, the look of it, the movie might have felt dated at some points. But this is also where we get this big change, because 96 Independence Day, if you mm-hmm. think about what happens after that, like the awe of seeing Independence the first time day was they're blowing up all these monuments and the CGI. And then that's what it turns into, really. Yeah. You know, so many of the films become green screen stuff mm-hmm. when even this stuff, there's some green screen stuff at the end with the train. But the the room, the CIA vault was all practical. Yeah. You know, he's hanging upside down. In fact, he was going to crack his head open. They had to figure out how he's going to balance because they'd shoot him down there. And he put British pound notes in his little ballet slipper things. <laughs> and that's how he would balance out um, himself. I think I just I remember seeing that and just, you know, nowadays I know where everything is CGI and it's, you know, blowing up the White House is maybe more awe inspiring. But I think the fact that you could have a sequence like this in a big picture film is, is pretty cool. Yeah. And, yeah, and I love the way they film that. Uh, then Jim Phelps returns. Yes. This part is very cool. Yes. I, I think this work was really, uh, this is one of my favorite sequences in the film. And again, yeah. I think it, it, it stands out in a different way. So Tom Cruise, they've, they've stole the knock list. They go to uh, England. Uh, Tom Cruise finds out his mom's been arrested as being an international drug dealer or something else. And, He's making a phone call. Next thing, the ghost of Jim Phelps past is there. But it's really Jim Phelps. Um, And what did you like about this sequence? They end up sitting in a restaurant. Right. Um, And I love – and this is funny because Katie was so confused. She was half paying attention. Um, But this is – can I just bring this up? This is the point where – I think this movie got unfortunately typecast as a super confusing movie because this yeah. this this sequence could be a little confusing 
at first, but I think it's brilliant. Yeah, you in, have, in retrospect. I mean, if once you, you once if you, you are really just know. listening to what they're saying, uh, in like you should be if you're watching a film that you want to enjoy. You shouldn't be on your smartphone or right. Well, and back then, I think you or know, whatever people short attention yeah. and not really critical listening. But so they're having a conversation, and basically, um, Phelps is blaming uh what's his name uh who's the other the other the other head of i forget the guy that was from the uh, restaurant Kittridge. 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 he's blaming he's Kittridge. blaming kit everything on Kittridge, and he's explaining why he did certain things and why why Kittridge did it but he's really explaining right. and why he himself right. did it right he's explaining why he himself has done all these things and ethan is keeping up uh appearances and basically saying I know, you know, asking questions and saying, oh, well, why would Kitcher do this, blah, blah. And in his head, you're getting all these cuts to seeing Phelps actually doing this. So you know that Ethan now knows, knows what's going on because he found prior to also we, we missed this part prior to coming to that meeting, he found the Bible with the Drake Hotel stamp in it. Right. So that was a big kind of uh, yeah that uh, jim phelps had been in chicago and he was such a which but i just love it and jerry in chat asked um is flashback reveal something from that time period not as much i don't think used as creatively as this is i feel like sometimes people do flashbacks and it's just a flashback the idea of having a uh, a a present time conversation and mixing it in right. was so Th- yeah these were not flashbacks uh in you know because in most flashbacks characters aren't aware of what's happening in a flashback this is actually ethan hunt's thoughts yeah, because you but I like even, how he plays it, though, and because it's similar to what was going on in the restaurant. Right, because there is the one scene where he says, no, Claire didn't kill. Yes. What's her name? And, and he's and trying to. Yeah. So like he rewinds that one. He's like, yeah. oh, that that's something different. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's a. Uh, it's it's a it's a really interesting scene. I liked it a lot. And, and at the end, Katie was like, well. What the hell? He just told him everything that happened. <laughs> and I was like, you weren't paying attention. <laughs> she's, no, she's I, I even remember easy in chat. Like, don't yeah, pick her. I, I remember seeing it the first time and being not confused, confused, but a little like off put. Mm-hmm. I think this film in first viewing, um, it challenges what you think it would be at points. Yeah. And I think that's why upon second and third viewings, that's why I think it's one of the better ones, actually. Um, It's my favorite one because you can watch it multiple times because of the way it's filmed Mm -hmm. and the the style. You know, it's not just you have to watch it for the stunt. Yeah. Like that quick stunt. Um, But there is a stunt to end the film. And there Uh. was some arguments, I think, um, even at the production of this, of what what you're going to do. Brian De Palma. I I just want to say this partly did this film Mm -hmm. because he wanted to do a train sequence. It was supposed to be in the untouchables, but they ran over budget and had to cut it. So he had still wanted to do a train sequence. And that's partly how this, this came about actually, believe it or not. Um, And it's fine. I I I like if if they had just kept it to the train, it would have been great. Bringing the helicopter in is where I have a problem. 
Oh, I thought that was kind of fun. That, that was the whole, again, the idea of claustrophobe. They wanted to do something that hadn't been done. And it's over the top. By the way, people, I think it was in Brazil, mm-hmm. did that. They tried to fly <laughs> a helicopter into a train tunnel, uh, which, whatever. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely the the least realistic element of it. Though I do have to say, I thought the green screen stuff wasn't too bad. No, and I actually liked how the, the, to start that scene, you see the... Uh, the train going through like the English countryside and then it it zooms into yeah. the window of the train right to yeah. your characters, which is yeah, very Hitchcock yeah. inspired St- stranger on the train, all that type of stuff. Um, now, some of it was shot practically. Um, there's some cool stuff, you know, going on. He gets on top of the train and some of the sequences you see there. Tom Cruise didn't think the wind was heavy enough. So he went out and found a uh, practice sky jumping machine that was shooting 140 mile an hour wind on his face, which is why when you see it, it looks um, so ridiculous. Um I do love so the helicopter, you know, Phelps kills his wife. She's trying to steal the necklace, but he, Ethan is uh, outed Phelps to Kittridge and all this. So they chase on top of the train. Um, so wait, wait, before wild. we just gloss over the part where John Voigt kills his wife for apparently no reason other than she doesn't want him to kill. Well, that's yeah, Ethan. <laughs> but that's if the guy's listen. The guy's clearly unhinged. I mean, not clearly like that, you know, that is so. not he's, really he's, set up he's, that way. He's, yeah. Well, I disagree. He's stealing a list, which is going to lead to the death of every undercover agent. And he's a guy who's supposed to have devoted his life to running undercover agents. I guess so. Do, do I mean by that? Yeah. So yeah. I am kind of glossing over it because I feel like the film just kind of kills her and leaves her. Yes. That's why I was kind of getting to the back of the, the top of the train. I do love about the top of the train, the sequence again that was in the trailer when he like uses the gum that uh-huh. has been used a couple times. It's pretty cool. And he's like and then he jumps and it blows up behind and it sends him flying, which I always loved. Yeah. Um as part of that. I sequence. thought it was a poor choice to jump onto the helicopter. I'm like, no, nah, stay on the train. Yeah. Like, Why I, would you I go there? Think it, because it's mission <laughs> impossible. He's Ethan Hunt, right. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's Ethan Hunt. Uh, it, I just, uh, I could talk about it all the time. I, I love what the Palma did. It's funny. Cause Wade Eastwood, who does all the stunts for the new movies mm-hmm. and he's the second unit director. He goes, it's something about it. And some of the stunts were actually quite elaborate, like the blowing up of the restaurant, even doing the stuff, but it's not obviously what he's doing now. Halo jumps and all that. He goes, uh, you know, he said, if you look at the first mission, all the action in it is equal to the first six pages of Mission Impossible Fallout. (laughs) And it's just it. It's when it transitions. But it's a bet to me. I think if they if they do enough, and I haven't seen Fallout yet, so I don't know if this is like the end of the road. It's probably not. I can't imagine. But um, so don't spoil that for me. But. I think they should bring it back to some small well, that, espionage, like because the first half of the, I would love a movie like the first half of this movie. I think that's people. You're, it's not crazy that you're saying that because a lot of people have talked about doing just that mm-hmm. because you have to. First of all, you have to see Mission Impossible Fallout because yeah, it's I know. literally one of even if you're not a Mission Impossible fan, one of the best pure action movies you'll ever see because it's all real i don't know i mean it's it's insane but what i also like about the series is it always allows it was designed and this is credit to tom cruise who was young still at this point when he started this series Mm -hmm. but he let this turn into a vehicle for different directors you know 
if you watch the James Bond movies, it almost doesn't matter who's directing them. There's no. certain things that are going to be in those James. This is like wild. Like the next movie is second movie is nothing like this. The J.J. Abrams one, completely different. Brand, yep. So each of them are kind of bringing their own vibe to what it is. Yeah. Uh, and I would love I'm with you. I, I love this. I actually a few years ago. Um, towards the end of school, we were done with our national exam at school and kids were saying which movie to watch. So we watched this because it's PG-13. There's nothing <laughs> – there's really actually not much violence or anything in it. Uh, but it's kind of like the changing of the Cold War. And it's this is a really different movie. It's one of the last ones to shoot on a t- certain film stock. I can't remember what it was <laughs> as well. And you could just see that when you watch it. I watched it in the 4K. It's different. It looks different because it's not digital. Um, so but what's, I, your, it, what's your favorite scene in the movie? I think probably the Langley sequence, but I really do love the two sequences, uh, the restaurants, the two restaurant sequences with Kittredge and Voight, because I just think it's great filmmaking. I think it's great writing, Mm -hmm. great photography, great direction, great use of score. Like it has all of those things that I don't think that I don't think you see in a regular movie um, uh, of this type. I think action movies is probably changed. My issue is I'm not sure this movie gets made now. No, I'm a sucker for the heist thing. So, like, you know, yeah. this with the beginning, this is right up there. That Langley sequence is right up there with the beginning of, I don't know if it's right up there, but it's close to the beginning of Indiana Jones for me when he's going into the yeah. temple. I think they just do. There's some, there's flaws in this movie, even though it's my favorite. Sure. Um, same with Indiana Jones, which is yeah, my favorite. But I think <laughs> as a whole, it's, and I think people are revisiting it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, with fallout and realizing it was probably a better film even than they thought uh at the time yeah. from a filmmaking perspective uh so i could talk about it all the day and all night but we'll, we'll stop uh if you are a fellow uh mission impossible junkie like me you can always listen to the light the fuse podcast uh where it is just mission impossible uh that's all they talk every week yeah. Um, so there's only a few of us, but, uh, okay, let's go spanning the globe pop culture. Thank you for watching that, Jim. You know how I love, uh, mission impossible. Yeah, so it was brilliant. I could continue to talk about it if people have other questions and you do need to see fallout and when we do it, we'll do it because that one is, um, yeah. really out of this world. Good. Uh, instant reaction. Our trailer this week is Luther, the Idris Alba vehicle for the BBC season five is coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of an under the radar show, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, it's if on you, BBC if, America, right? Uh, and you can, here, but also Netflix. It's yeah, on Netflix. if you if you have Netflix, check it out. If you like, uh, you know, any of the the cop dramas, I think this is right up there. Um, it's it's awesome. He it's a uh, Idris Elba is. Uh, basically a just a badass London detective <laughs> um, chasing down serial killers and stuff like that. <laughs> and he's a disturbed guy. This show yeah. is fantastic. We talked about it before that maybe we'll do season one and then maybe in the springtime because they're yeah. not long per English television. Yeah. I think the first season's only six episodes or and some I think six it gets or shorter seven. each season. It does. That. He did some some last season was only two episodes. Yeah. Um, if you have not seen the show, do yourself uh, a favor 
I mean, it's like a binge watch. You could watch. It's like the equivalent of just watching one American TV. And Idris Elba, who is amazing in everything, um, is so – and Ruth Wilson, who's fantastic as well. I mean, there's – and, so and many I will say, point. as uh, when you finish this, when you finish Luther and you're sad because you don't have any more to watch, uh, watch Broadchurch because that one is uh, it's not Another as good, one. but it's it's very good. Different. Well. It's different. David Tennant. Yeah, I, it's, it's more of a it's that's more of a mystery. Um, yes. Murder. Mystery. I, I, and I also I, I would say this about it. I think Luther. I think Broadchurch, if you're going to watch it, if you're a guy and you're going to watch it with your wife or girlfriend, might be more appealing to both. Yeah. I think it just kind of – but uh, both loves shows, Luther. Oh, no. I know. I'm just saying there is, there's there's certain other elements of it. Luther yeah. can be really dark in a great yes. way though. Yeah. Really dark. And it's a, But it's a great, 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 great show. Yeah. We'll watch it at some point. Uh, OK. Time to play a little game here. Uh, new games. Some new things in 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, this game is called Things We Could Argue About Over a Beer at Oscars. Uh, and uh, Oscars, of course, is the greatest college bar in America. Uh, voted on by me only. <laughs> this is not in a magazine or anything or any kind of poll. Uh, there's no scientific uh, research involved in giving it this title other than I just want to give it that title. Um, <laughs> so here's our question. Uh, you're stuck on a desert island. Would you rather have your best friend with you or have access to Netflix? Ooh. See, I, I'm going to say for different reasons, I'm going to say Netflix. Um, my concern with having another per- if if I'm stranded somewhere and we are never getting off the island, mm-hmm. uh, I think having another person there is just a miserable experience for both people. At some point, there's no, you know, one if you don't have access to food, what does that mean? Shit. <laughs> um, well, that is a great question. Yeah, and uh, two, you're just gonna end up hating each other. Uh. I would I would feel that in that kind of stressful situation. Uh, so I would go I would go to Netflix. Jerry says he he would prefer Netflix because his best friend never shuts up. Oh, well, that's that's fun. <laughs> it wouldn't be hard for him to pick what friend he'd be on the island with because he only has one. So that, that's true. That's true. Uh, I would not uh, I would pick Netflix, but for a very different reason. I wouldn't want to subject me to another person. I, I uh, don't that's really sort of wanna, what I was thinking too. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to be on a desert island with myself. Right, um, right. Plus, I think we've all learned from the movie Castaway that you can just create an inanimate, you know, object. You turn a volleyball yeah. into a person and have a conversation. Right. Netflix catalog is quite huge. Uh, you if you look at some Castaway of the things, at some point, you could watch Castaway, uh, Springsteen hmm. on Broadway. Although you know what, Brian, I, the sand. Ooh, I don't like sand. That mm-hmm. would be a big issue. Yeah. That would be a very big issue for me. Um, but Netflix, come on. I could watch Bird Box. Yeah. There's I, a lot. My, I, I my haven't issue, seen that yet. You know what? My issue with Netflix is, is that Netflix makes it very difficult for people with young children. Because I'm constantly feeling like there's new stuff coming on that I really don't have time to watch. Yeah. And then I feel like I'm kind of out of the loop. Yes. You know, like everybody's talking about Bird Box. I don't have time to watch Bird Box. Yeah. I don't really necessarily have the desire to watch it either. It's not kind of my thing. Like if I'm going to watch something I like that, I want to watch Quiet Place 
because they seem similar. I know they yeah. probably aren't similar, but they seem and I'd just rather see Quiet Place. Um, but I feel like it's I ends up this Netflix gives me this massive checklist. Now I have to watch like yeah. I, I still need to see Springsteen on Broadway. Like, when am I going to be able to do that? Black Mirror. Uh, Black Mirror. I feel like I we coast comedians. It should be a show that we were all over. I've, I've never seen I've seen it. every episode. It's see, awesome. I haven't been. You will I know love it. Is. it. It's I like know, Hitchcock just, for the uh, Hitchcock for the uh, I know tech it's age. perfect, but that movie came. You know, it's like all this stuff comes out that I want to watch, and I just don't have time to watch it. So maybe it. What if I was on a desert island only for like a couple of weeks? I could do Netflix. I think I'd catch up on that. <laughs> That'd be actually kind of nice to catch up on all the shows. Yeah. Though I I don't know if that's realistic, but that's one of those questions you could have uh, argue in a bar about. Uh, can we, we just can we also laugh that Jerry thinks uh, he's taking you to a desert island and uh, you're taking Aileen? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I saw this story today and this isn't really a spanning the globe thing, but I just had mm-hmm. a quite when I saw this, uh, it popped up on a on a news news feed. I was reading it was uh, on CNN this morning Um so somebody was getting like kind of bullied, I guess, on online because she posted a, uh, a thing on Reddit, and and I wanted to know what your take on this was uh, in terms of how insane this this woman is. Yeah. Uh, so she posted a thread basically saying, am, "Am I being like insane, Bridezilla?" So this is a girl who's engaged oh. to get married, okay. And she basically, this is a direct. Quote. I've heard a few of these recently. Yeah. She goes, "Long story short." I just found out that one of my bridesmaids will be five to six months pregnant on my wedding day. This bridesmaid was also planning my super secret bachelorette party that I know no details of, but I'm assuming involved drinking that will probably either be changed or canceled. Now, because pregnant women can't be around alcohol. Yeah, I, like, I don't understand they, that. Because she's she's going to cancel. But then she goes. Maybe I'm just thinking the worst, but personally, I think it's wrong to get pregnant when you're part of a bridal party. That is the stupidest thing. Uh, I mean, these How? are the people that we're sharing the earth with, Brian. Like, I, I. What is the over, over, under the number of years before this woman is either cheated on by her husband or left or killed? <laughs> that she could be on one of Aileen's 48 hours mysteries that yeah. she likes to watch. I just, I, I mean, the, 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 the clearly, um, I, 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 yeah, I, I also heard one where it was the bride was giving, uh, like basically recommendations, not even recommendations, like requirements for her bridesmaids. Like you need to buy this like thousand dollar dress. You need to give me a gift that is at least $500. Um, you need to be, it was basically like the, the, at the end of the day, the bridesmaids were putting out like close to $5,000 just to be in the wedding. My requirements, the, the two things I think we've talked about this before on Mm -hmm. the show that I wanted at my wedding was Miller Lite and pigs in the blanket Mm -hmm. and alien. And alien. Well, I'm saying like besides, know, you know, kidding. like when people are saying like, I want all these things at my wedding, I uh, probably will never be in another wedding again, except for Claire and Jack, you know. Yeah, the, that's. But yeah. but and I got to tell you, I'm not heartbroken about that, really. No, neither am I. I just I can't imagine 
having someone in your life that is close enough to be in your wedding party and not being super excited for them that they're having a child. Yeah, I just I, I, my, I, my favorite my favorite line is let's talk about a person who uses a phrase like this was also planning my super secret bachelor party. As this if is, anybody this is cares. like here comes Ethan Hunt swinging in. This is like what is this Mission Impossible bachelorette party? What yeah. is what is so super secret about this? I mean, oh my god, I, I saw that. It doesn't so not only not only like like think of it on this level too. Not only is she self like so stupid to to even think this. She's so self important. That she's that actually she, bring, she needs to post. She needs to post it and get people on her side. Yeah, because probably somebody was like, "Is this woman insane?" <laughs> oh, I, I know. Let's not talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's go to five questions. I'm answering five questions this week. Uh, we have our shape of water, uh, broken masturbation egg timer. Uh, and all right, let's go. What do we got? All right, five questions for Brian. I wrote them this week. Uh, stupid password. Okay. The five questions. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Cruises on a ship, not Tom. <laughs> oh, uh, I went on one cruise. Aileen mm. and I went before we were married. Had a fine time. It was yeah. good. Uh, I We've talked about that. She and I have talked about this. I think I would only go back if we went with a group of people, though. That makes sense. I, I yeah, like that idea. I, because I, I think that would kind of be fun. But both we both had a really good time. But I think it was just a thing that would be more fun. To me, I prefer all inclusives. Yeah, a shared like experience just, is always going to be better with more. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I, yeah but I, I just think the all inclusives, there's a little bit more relaxing. So if it's just a couple of people, that's cool. Mm -hmm. The cruises are very, like my experience with the cruises, you're going out to these bars, these shows. I think it'd just be a lot more fun if people were there. Yeah. But it was a good experience. Yeah. All right, fill in the blank. My perfect meal is blank and a tall glass of whole milk. Oh, mom's meatloaf from Mom. the University of Scranton's uh, cafeteria. <laughs> this it unfortunately no longer exists. It used to make me nauseous to watch Brian drink a glass of milk with dinner every night. I did. I, 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 I don't know why. Why is that so weird? I don't do it anymore. I but. think people do. I think a lot of people do it. It just to me, it was nothing. It's not a, a drink that I would ever choose to drink along with food. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I did do it. I did do it every night too. Yeah, I would get like one night. glass of milk and I would get a soda. <laughs> yeah, and whatever was there. Uh, I I can't even tell you the last time I drank a glass of milk though, like a whole glass of milk. Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, all right. Question three. Aileen would describe you as bookish. Bookish. I like that. Yes. That's a good. Yes. That's good. That would, would that's a good thing. thing. Yeah. Uh, number four, if you could supersize one thing in your life, what would it be? And I'm thinking like like Ant-Man here, like just make something giant. <laughs> um, yeah, this was one I had some trouble with um, because it's like, what do you really need something like? Do you want a giant house? No, I don't really want a giant house. I don't want a giant car. Uh, I would I would love to have like a uh, giant television. You know how oh, people have like yeah, screen. Yeah. People have like screening rooms, like rich mm -hmm. people. Like when we were doing, um, when we were doing Field of Dreams, mm -hmm. one of the things I did there was a bonus feature on it that I was watching, and Kevin Costner had like one of those home theaters. I think that would be awesome. 
Or That's another cool. supersized thing I'd like is uh, like an old school built-in supersized bookshelf for all my books. Uh, that's awesome. That would be either of those two things, I think. All right. Let's uh, – our deep thoughts question of the week. What is your hope for 2019? Uh, less global anxiety. Well, good luck with that. Yeah. I'd have uh, to, I, I, I think that it's uh, – I don't. Uh, that's a serious thing. Maybe I should have gone for something less serious. That's okay. uh, you know what I would hope? Uh, I would hope for that Groupon for the Hootie and the Blowfish <laughs> concert. So because I am not paying $138. Uh, I am hopeful maybe there'll be somebody out there. I, you know, a lot of my students work there. Yeah. So maybe I can just figure out which one's working the uh, turnstile yeah. and I can I could go there. Maybe for that. Hootie will get sick and you'll be asked to sing. Well, I could. I've been listening to uh, since I heard about the concert. I've been listening to some of the old Hootie albums on Amazon Music. Cool. So uh, there's some. There's some. I would, I would pay hundred and fifty dollars to see you sing lead for Hootie and the Blowfish. I think people would pay more money not for me probably to sing Blowfish. <laughs> that could be a new job. Like people pay me not to perform uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Though it would be interesting if we did karaoke at one point on the show. Of oh, that, yeah, I don't know. We'll figure that. I out. I don't know how we would figure that out, but yeah. uh, the, doing some karaoke would be interesting. Um, all right, uh, recommendation time. Uh, what do you have? Recommendations? I, Luther. Uh, let's go yes. with the straight British uh, cop shows or things you should watch. Yeah. Luther, mm -hmm. Broadchurch, and Sherlock. Yes. The, uh, <laughs> The good modern version of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Did, have stuff. you ever seen Spooks? It's called MI5. Yeah. Uh, it's like the British 24. I would also recommend that if you can find it. Awesome. Really, really good show. Uh, Richard Armitage uh, is in some of the later. It's all people you would know. Okay. Cool. Lots of famous people um, you would know. So cool. All right. And what kind of tea are you drinking tonight? Oh, it was uh, it was uh, Irish breakfast. All right. There From, we go. Uh, I had twinings, I think. Yeah. Well, if you need a toothbrush, remember, tea can stain your yes, teeth. Yes, I, I have make a toothbrush. Sure, make sure you – well, you have another one now. I might shave too, so this – I might have to you use, use your, these things. Your shave bomb. My Christmas presents will finally come in handy. And uh, yeah. No, who am I kidding? Nope. I'm not going to use that. <laughs> you uh, okay. A couple recommendations. The Yards Brawler, always one of my favorite – all time uh, great beer, great, great beer. just a really, really good beer. Uh, there is a fantastic De Palma documentary on Netflix mm. uh, called De Palma that I watched uh, in preparation for this. Uh, and it's a really interesting documentary. He's the only one that talks the whole time. <laughs> but it's like That's they shot funny. him, which I've never seen. Is but he it's getting married and has a pregnant bridemaid? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. But it was really, I, I mean, well worth watching okay. uh, for anybody who just wants it, It's really, really interesting. Uh, if you love Mission Impossible, again, I just uh, mentioned this before, the Light the Fuse podcast. Great, great podcast about Mission Impossible. Uh, they have some great interviews up about the original. They do a two-part episode uh, on the original one, which uh, will probably put us to shame. But uh, they also do a ton of great stuff if you like that. And also, don't forget, um, coming up. 
Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club. Um, I, I expect so Katie much. DeSanto uh, to be watching Lindsay. And, and in fact, let her know. I'll text her. I found out a way that we're going to be able to get her access to Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club so she can watch it. And I want a full report next week from her. Mm-hmm. We need her there. Uh, I'm hopeful maybe she could join us next week because I want to hear what she thinks about Roadhouse. I don't know if I'm, she's ever seen it. So we'll yeah, have that's to, why we'll I'm. Re- that's why I'm really did intrigued. Did you find like, it anywhere? Or did uh, you have to buy it? No, I found that you can rent it on Amazon. Okay, for two ninety nine. It okay. was. It used to be. It was streaming for a while because how did this get made? Yeah, did it. And it was up on Amazon Prime, but now okay. it's down. But for two ninety nine, it's worth it. Um, but Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club, make sure you do that. And that will lead us to our movie next week, which is Patrick Swayze's Roadhouse. Yes. Uh, a tremendous film. I, yeah. I cannot wait. Very different in terms of this week's <laughs> film. Uh, but it, it's, a, uh, it's a blast to see and watch uh, plugs. Yeah. So if you're listening to us on iTunes, please uh, um, give us a little rating there. Uh, to help us out. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Majorscom, and you can follow me on Twitter at Soldier on TV. You can follow Brian uh, at B Costello Books. And uh, yeah, find us on Facebook. If you are listening to this on one of the uh, podcast apps, you can always uh, like us on Facebook. And we record this live. If you want to join the conversation, we'd love to have you jump in, ask some questions, uh, and contribute to the conversation. And you also get to see things like my little yeah. hanging Ethan Hunt. You can action. see our my my guitars, and you can see Brian's uh, love for Manchester United and the University of Scranton. Uh, and also, we're still in the process of picking upcoming films, so we'd always love. If you have a film that you think would be great for the show to yeah. drop us a line, uh, you can email us at commajors at gmail.com. Yeah. Uh, you can also send us uh, via your iPhone a voice memo um, and share any thoughts that you might have on previous episodes. We're all up uh, now and uh, let us know what you think. Yeah. Sounds good. So that'll be awesome. Uh, always a great one. Never We'll give up a, a second to talk Mission Impossible. But yeah. I, I have to be honest. I'm really also now back-to-back weeks where I'm pretty psyched here with Roadhouse uh, next week. Honestly, it has been so long since I've seen Roadhouse that I I honestly don't remember a lot about it. I remember the guitar player is uh, – I, I forget his name right now. Jeff Haley Band. Jeff, yeah, he's blind. Angel right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember that part, but, uh, so I'm excited to watch it cause I haven't seen it and I know it's going to be uh, super awful, but also amazingly fun. Well, we've had a great time per usual. Uh, please make sure you go watch mission impossible. If you have mm-hmm. not, uh, drop us a line, let us know what your favorite scenes were and we will be back next week with mullet and all Patrick Swayze (laughs) and the amazing roadhouse. Uh, have a good time, uh, this weekend. I will talk to you soon, Jim. Yep. Sounds good. Bye. See you buddy. Adios. Adios.